My team and I recently released GreenPath's Learning Lab, featuring online courses and tools. It's free and easy to use. Visit GreenPath's Learning Lab by going to www.greenpath.com slash learning lab. GreenPath believes everyone deserves a chance to pursue their dreams. Take the first step towards yours. thought it would be better if I filed for bankruptcy. I've got all these credit cards and without working for the next two semesters while I was studying abroad, I didn't know how I was going to pay for them. And uh, my dad at the time was like, um, no, 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 absolutely not. Said, you need, we need to find some other options for you. Welcome to episode 21 of Real Stories, Journeys of Financial Wellness. I'm your host, Crystal Lugazima. Today, we'll meet Jesse. After struggling with credit card debt in college, Jesse was all set to file bankruptcy until her family told her about an alternative, a debt management program with GreenPath. Not only did this option enable her to become debt-free, she ended up in a career in banking that likely would not have been possible with a bankruptcy on her record. Jesse eventually landed a role as a financial counselor at GreenPath, where she was able to help people who were in a similar situation to the one she was in. Let's meet Jesse and hear her journey of financial wellness. Thank you, Jesse, for joining us today. Um, so as, as we get into your story, I, I know we're going to share some about your, your journey of uh, how you got into debt, how you subsequently got out of debt, and how things came full circle. But let's actually start at the beginning. Um, I, I, I know from our previous conversations that you'd used a combo of student loans, credit cards, even income from several jobs to pay for college. Can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to split things up and how things played out as your college career evolved? Sure. Um, it, I, th- I, I don't think there was any plan to use this or that, or, or fi- it was more of a figure it out as I kind of went through college. Got student loans because I, you know, most people are not going to necessarily have the cash to pay for college up front. So student loans were were there. Um, to help supplement paying for, for college, I then also worked full-time and went to school part-time. And then getting credit cards was just, it seemed normal. It seemed like the thing to do. It seemed uh, easy to do. And back when I went to college, it's, the laws have changed now. They had credit card tables set up in, in on campus and you'd walk by and say, hey, here's a free t-shirt, here's a free lunch, sign up for this credit card. Okay, so I got credit cards and I got every card that was ever offered to me and I used them <laughs> and then I used them again and I used them again and it seemed really easy to also use the credit card until the minimum payment started going higher. Mm. Once the minimum payment started going higher, then it started getting a little, oh, well, now what? <laughs> How do I do this? How do I juggle that? So student loans and, and jobs um, kind of were throughout the, the whole time, you know, in school, but credit cards just kind of became a habit and started off with one being offered to me and then another and another. And it was either going to restaurants, on vacation, schools, supplies, books, you name it, I put it on the credit card. Was there a moment that you became conscious that it was starting to to creep up a little more than to your liking, or how, how did that play out? Um, I would say it was just just as the minimum balances, or sorry, the minimum payments rather, were getting to be larger and larger, and more and more credit cards. So I was juggling payments and due dates, and you know, how am I going to pay this one? Um, and then getting towards, you know, senior year, 
and looking towards the future, knowing that I wasn't going to have student loans to supplement income. And if I wasn't working on campus anymore, where's the income? Where's the job going to be if I'm going to be graduating? So higher payments, more payments and less income potentially. It was just kind of, uh oh, now what? Mm. Had you reached that point while you were still in college or was it shortly after? I feel like I reached that point while I was still in college. I just remember uh, just being in my one apartment and standing at my desk and having a pile of bills and thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And and that was the last apartment that I had in in college. So that's what I'm I'm picturing while I was still in school. Is there any financial advice that current day Jesse would give 20 or early 20s, uh, Jesse? Yeah, not to get so many credit cards. <laughs> um, you know, one or two credit cards is good to use to build credit. And so I would tell myself, yeah, stop there. You know, maybe get a store credit card and then get a like a major visa or major MasterCard, some type of major credit card to use anywhere or in case of an emergency but not to use it for every day, day to day, or everything. So do you regret to the extent that you ended up using the cards to pay for college-related expenses, whether they were for books, tuition, and that aspect of it, or more the spillover into other areas of your life? Probably the extra stuff, um, I would say, is what I would regret spending the money on because – I can remember right now that, you know, every time I went shopping, I loved to shop. Uh, The stores would offer, hey, you get an extra 15 or 20 or 30% off if you open our store credit card today. Oh, okay, cool. Great. Well, now I know it's only a gimmick for you to spend more, open the card, and then they make money on you by paying the interest. Now, you know, I, I still like to shop, but I rather go in the store, get the thing that I want and leave. So I don't spend more because that was, I think that was my issue or that was one thing that I, I felt like I loved to shop, loved to spend money. And I know now from counseling and talking to others, you know, shopping and spending money seems to make you feel better when you don't know what to do about the money that you don't have or the minimum payments or the income that you don't have coming in and payments going out and you don't know how to, to juggle it. You go shopping and spend more. Which, when you say it out loud, it doesn't make sense. But that's the that's sometimes uh, what I felt like the the attitude I had was. Um. So you you had this this debt that was starting to creep up, reaching this point where the minimum payments were becoming more difficult, and then you were having this transition. You were about getting ready to graduate college. Um, you had this sense, not a sense, you knew that some of your expenses were likely to increase because I know you had been sharing a home and so your rent had been relatively low at the time. So could you take me back to that time in your life? Like what was your mindset and what options were you considering with regards to your debt, your finances in general and in your life? I went and met with a lawyer to consider filing for bankruptcy. At that point, I don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what the options were and I didn't know what, how to handle it, but I knew that it wasn't going to work the way that it was going right now. It just, it was going to be, there wasn't going to be the student loans to cover debt or cover payments or, or living expenses. And then without knowing where I was going to work after I graduated, what type of the income I had, I, I just figured that was going to be the easiest thing to So I feel like that was the end of the senior year. And then I met with the lawyer, brought in all my bills, all my statements, and he was nothing but a yes man. Yep, yep, that's perfect. Yep, you can do it. Yep, no problem. Yep, 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 we can do this. And it'll, you know, make everything go away. Okay, cool, perfect. Yeah, thanks. So he tells me to to stop making payments. Well, that doesn't sound right, but okay. Stop making payments to the credit cards. Well, perfect, that fixes the income issue because then I don't have to make payments. I don't have the outcome, you know, the, the expenses, the same expenses that I had. So two, three, four months go by and I, I've stopped making payments. Um, 
so I say senior year, but I that was my last year at school. And then the last, ultimate last year in school, I did a study abroad program. So I left campus, went home for the summer, and then in the fall, I started a study abroad program two semesters back to back, first one in Ecuador, and then I was home for Christmas and then went back to Mexico to finish a Spanish degree. So over the summer, while I was home getting ready to go out of the country for nine months, 10 months, whatever it was, having my parents help me then to manage bills and, and make payments for me while I was gone, we didn't have all of the online banking we have now when I was abroad. So I was signing blank checks and working through with my parents, okay, this has to be paid here, this has to be paid there. Oh, this is a bill for the lawyer. Wait, why do you have a lawyer? Is it that the this conversation may not have even have come up if you weren't re- about ready to go abroad as far as even probably discussing not. your finances with them at that point? No, probably not. So, you know, having that conversation then, it was, you know, August, beginning of August, maybe, and I'm leaving at the end of August for six months, essentially. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> like, why are you paying a lawyer? Oh, well, uh, yeah, um, well, because, well, <laughs> no, that's, I don't really know what to tell you here, but uh, I thought it would be better if I filed for bankruptcy. I've got all these credit cards and without working for the next two semesters while I'm studying abroad, I didn't know how I was going to pay for them. And uh, my dad at the time was like, um, no, 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 absolutely not. Said, you need, we need to find some other options for you. So he had actually been uh, a vendor for GreenPath at the time. He, we had our own business. My parents had their own business and they did uh, print products or swag as we call them. Like if you've got a pen or a, a notepad with the GreenPath logo. So they were um, familiar with GreenPath in that respect. They knew what GreenPath did. Uh, so he suggested that I go and talk to somebody at GreenPath and see if they were able to help and uh, find some options other than bankruptcy before I really got into a a deep hole. How, how did that sit with you at the time? Were you excited about the other option or were you kind of hesitant? No, after talking with my dad and talking, you know, with, with some other people that realizing bankruptcy at 21, maybe, was probably not the best option for me. It was probably not the best idea. Again, the one conversation with the lawyer and he says, oh, yeah, 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 we can do this. We can make it work and, and take care of this for you. And, you know, cost or, or what have you was was not much. And so I was still in that beginning stage of, of filing for bankruptcy where it was, OK, stop making payments for two, three, four months. So I still I had a couple of late payments, but I wasn't really into deep water yet. So um, I went and talked to GreenPath. Oddly enough, our offices were less than a mile away from where I currently lived at that time or where my parents lived at the time. So very, very close, very convenient. Went into the office, sat down and talked with someone and, you know, laid out the whole situation. And especially since I was traveling and not going to be in the country, it was such a huge peace of mind to know that somebody would be able to manage payments and make on-time payments for me while I was gone. So kind of that double peace of mind, not only for the long term, but to right. also help get you through the fact that you were away and just couldn't manage Yeah, just some day-to-day, exactly, just some day-to-day maintenance and management. Um, and then, of course, the long term, it wasn't having a negative bankruptcy impact on my credit uh, because I was already late, because I'd already not made payments for two or three months. I don't remember exactly the time frame. Um, that had already damaged my credit. So I did it myself um, in making those choices. But once I started with Green Path, um, just like we work with people now, we're able to work with them to get them back on track and back on time, help to, you know, I I think it was getting some uh, late fees reduced or, or stopped. Definitely got the interest rates reduced because I was at 29% even 33%. I remember like having some just outrageous interest rates. And then just because I was out of the country for a year, two semesters rather, 
um, it was much, much easier on me that it, my dad then had to w write one check per month and send that to Green Path versus the 10 to 15 credit cards that I had. How were you able to navigate your debt while you were studying abroad? Well, because I was uh, still in school and I was studying abroad through my university, um, I was still able to get student loans. So I think the student loans, uh, plus with study abroad, I was able to apply for a bunch of scholarships. And that's why I ended up doing my last year in school abroad. It was actually going to be less expensive for me to go abroad versus staying on campus again. So um, living with a host family, uh, you know, living expenses might have been cheaper in Mexico and Ecuador at the time. The scholarships, the student loans, all of that kind of helped set that up um, to, to be able to have less expenses there than I would have here on, on campus here in Michigan. And then as your study abroad wound down, it was sort of your entry into what we call the real world, right? Looking for yeah, full-time work, the right? Yeah, back to real world. Yeah. So how was that transition as you were looking for a full-time job? And did it impact what was going on on the, the, the debt repayment side? So when I got back uh, from the two semesters abroad, um, I did make sure that I reached out and touched base with GreenPath. Um, I believe there was some times where I had to make some changes to the payments, and I, I believe GreenPath worked with me. Um, I think there was even some times where I called to, or there were calls that I, we were concerned that I was going to miss some payments because income was was variable at that point. And then um, after the two semesters, if I'm no longer in school, there's no more student loans. I went back to my on-campus jobs for the summer. Um, and that summer after I got back, it, it, it worked out really well. I went back to this, the on-campus jobs, the two jobs that I had. And then I also um, was cat sitting or apartment sitting for a professor that went to Mexico for the summer, but was coming back for the fall. So we kind of crossed paths in the air. And then I uh, took care of her two cats. So I didn't have any rent, a little bit of food, on-campus jobs. So it was a perfect storm. It, it worked out really well. And then I was applying for jobs. Um, my, my advisor actually sent me information on a job. Uh, so I applied for that to start in the fall. I applied for that, interviewed for that, got that. But it was only a temporary position. So it was a two-month position. Um, so once I got that job, that was great. But I also knew it was only two months. So I applied to work at a restaurant to have a second job, a second income that was not seasonal. And then I also was a substitute teacher. And I learned real quick that I was not a very good substitute teacher. That was not, that was not my area of expertise. Um, so I did that for a few months. Because I'm fluent in Spanish, I then uh, learned that they were hiring a bilingual parapro which is just a fancy word for grade. Um, so I interviewed and, and got hired for that job. But that was also now might have been December. So I got December to June for that job again. And then over the summer, you're not working in a school district. And they pink slip you each summer or each, each year because they don't know what they want in the fall. So that was tough to not. It, was, it kept having small chunks of these jobs that kept going. So I was still working at the restaurant, still doing okay there, but it's still, you're, you're based on tips, so it's always fluctuating. Um, did get called back in the fall for the, the school, worked there for another season, for school year, got another pink slip. I was like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. I can't do this every year. Like, this isn't going to be good. Um, pretty sure I, I made, made it work somehow. Um, again, I had a roommate, so just renting an apartment. To just kept looking for more jobs, kept working at the restaurant. So how did you end up landing a permanent position? Just a weird happenstance. I actually went in at, to a bank. It was a bilingual banker position. Um, I went into that bank not because of the job description or job posting, but I had a paycheck problem. I had questions with paycheck. So I talked to the branch manager, told her the story. It was 
a weird situation. And because I was in a panic mode at the moment, she wanted to just, you know, she was just talking. What do you do? Where are you from? Where do you live? Where'd you go to school? What's your degree in? You know, some normal questions when you're just, when you're talking to somebody. Well, at the end of the account opening to help me with my paycheck issue, she said, hey, I would really like you to apply for this job. You sound perfect for this position. Why don't you come work for me? Okay, perfect. So my paycheck problem turned into a job at a big bank as a bilingual banker that I was there for with that bank anyway, for more than 12 years. I know it's typically the case when someone gets a a job in the banking industry that they want to do a background check. And part of that will often include, have you filed bankruptcy before? Do you recall if that had come up in, in your screening for that job? The screening would have checked for it. Absolutely. If the conversation, no, I don't remember any part of the conversation talking about it, but I didn't file for bankruptcy. At that point, I'd only had a couple of missed late payments and that now those missed or late payments were potentially three years later. Now that I'm coming in to work at the bank, it's probably three years later. So yeah, my credit report, it didn't show bankruptcy. Um, I was just late on the credit, credit card payments. And so late payments might not have been an issue and or they got back on time. So if they did see that, bump in the road, and then you're back on even ground. Um, yeah, so I, I passed any background check, and I'd already been working in public school, so I'd already had that background check and those fingerprints. Now working for a bank, there's another background check. They might be looking at different things, another set of fingerprints. So, yeah, I mean, I passed. <laughs> I worked <Yeah>. there. <laughs> yeah. How was how your experience working at the bank? Like, what sort of um, uh did you end up helping uh, individuals that had debt concerns in in that role or was it more on some of the other aspects of finances? As I learned more, sure, having conversations with uh, the clients or customers as they came in, sure, absolutely would talk about finances and options to improve it, but I was learning as well. So I think it was really helpful to started the debt management plan, but it was also really helpful for me to start working at a bank, seeing it from the other side. Mm-hmm. Take me back to the day that you completed your debt management plan when you became debt-free, you paid off the credit cards. What were your thoughts at the time? I was so excited. It was great. It was, what, four to $500 a month that you know I didn't have to, uh, to pay out in debt. Um, didn't have any credit cards at that point. So um, I, I did look to get one new credit card just to have that to build up my credit again, just to have that history and started putting a lot of that into savings, the extra, well, not the extra money, but the money that was paying off debt, put that into savings. And so that's, that's an interesting thing, right? Is so the moment that you became debt free, it wasn't any sort of complicated goals. It was as simple as, all right, the debt's gone. I'm going to build up savings for a savings cushion. That's what it sounds like. Exactly. In case of emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so can you talk more to what was your approach to credit card usage after the debt management plan? So if you had that new account that you opened up, um, how did that play out? Did you have any anxiety around using that new account and and how did it play out? So I think my debt management plan was for the four to five year mark. And then two to three years working in the bank at that point, once I finished. So my view on credit cards had changed a lot because now I'm on the do this application, get a credit card side. So do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so I did, through my bank, got a credit card. And it was a credit card that had rewards. So I wanted to start using the credit card to build up my credit a little bit, show that payment history, uh, but also wanted to get the cash back, get, get free cash, get free rewards back. So I started using it. Um, and I still do this to this day, but I started using it for like gas and groceries, some of the things that I would buy no matter what. 
but I did not take them to go into stores and go shopping and buy clothes and buy shoes or those were my vices, shoes and clothes. So didn't go out, you know, might've put lunch on it if I went out to lunch or put dinner on it, but it wasn't something that I was using every day just to spend money on the credit card. I also found for me that if I did buy the groceries or did buy the gas, if I did go out to eat, I was using the credit card more like a debit card. So with the bank where I was banking, they had an online bill pay system. So I would, I loaded up the credit card into the bill pay system and I would take money out of my checking account and pay the credit card once or twice a week. So if I used it on Monday to get groceries, Wednesday or Thursday, I was taking that same amount out of my checking account and paying the credit card off. So I was making sure that I had cash to use to spend and making sure that the credit card didn't have or carry a balance. Yeah. Because if you're clearing it out that quickly, there's never going to be an opportunity for the balance to accumulate. Right. And I haven't met a credit card company yet that won't take payments all the time. (laughs) Like, If you use it and pay it, use it and pay it. That's exactly, you know, they want your interest money, but they'll take your payments if you send them to them. For sure. Um, And on the other side of things, on the savings side, as you mentioned, you were starting to build up a savings cushion for emergencies. Can you talk more about what your approach was to savings as far as was there a specific amount you were targeting towards? Were there other types of savings you were also um, focused on as well? So the dollar amount always varied and I made it always a moving target. So when I sat down for the first time and had a conversation with the Green Path counselor to start the debt management plan, specifically remember them, was to not only to pay down the debt, but to start a savings account at that point. Start a savings account with no matter what, just put something in it with every paycheck. So that was probably hard for the first year because I didn't have a paycheck. As soon as I got done with study abroad and back to work, I started maybe five, maybe $10 per paycheck. And I started sending that to a credit union outside of where I was doing my banking. So I had like my checking account and then I had a savings account in a different bank. And again, we said we figured out 18 years ago, couldn't do all of the online banking and electronic funds transfers that you can today. So that credit union was an hour drive away from where I currently lived. And I couldn't necessarily get it out electronically. So it was also just another barrier I set up for myself that once it went there through direct deposit from work, it was really hard to get back out again. The goal then I think was, okay, get it to hundred dollars. I got it to hundred dollars and celebrated. And then I made my goal 200 and I made it 300, 400, so on, so on. I think I got to the point where I was at a thousand dollars. I was super excited, but then I made it 1500. So kept going it and growing it. So even to this day, I have that savings account that is not where I do my primary banking. Still an hour away from where I live, but we have electronic funds transfers that are much easier. So if in case of an emergency, I can pull the money. I can get it much faster. I don't have to drive. Um, but it's still now that, that that habit has been formed. It goes direct deposit with every paycheck. The dollar amounts have increased from 5 and 10. It's a little bit more per paycheck now. And then the balance, I still just, there's never enough. I want, I always want more now. It's, it's, I've just kept it as a movie target and that just seems to work for me. I've dipped into it here and there to use it for this and that. Um, but I also look at it like, okay, if I took a thousand dollars out to pay for a class that I wanted to take, I increased my direct deposit to pay that thousand dollars back to myself. So even when it did dip down a little bit, it would go right back up as soon as you were able to to do so. Yeah. So if I had a $25 per paycheck, regular paycheck deposit, maybe I made it 30 until I paid off the $1,000. So it's not necessarily like it took some time, but then I was only out $5 per paycheck versus um, paying any interest on a credit card or, or something like that. What other financial goals did you set in the years following your completion of your debt management plan? My goals were to improve my credit since I did have some missed payments 
after the debt management plan, I do believe that the credit increased or improved because everything was paid in full now, didn't have debt. The goal was then to build up enough savings that I could eventually buy a house, have it enough for a down payment, and and just, just to have better credit and to, to buy a house, which now I have both accomplished. I have the savings, still growing it. And then I did uh, just about seven years ago, bought, uh, bought a condo in my name all by myself. That's great. And, and so what was that process like as far as... Um... Did it, was it a struggle getting to that point or was it just kind of a a natural progression from as you saved up for the down payment, your credit had gone up as well and and you were just kind of ready for that step? Yeah, I think it was a natural progression of things. Um, I lived in a few different apartments with a few different roommates um, and I actually ended up moving home, uh, moving back home to live with my mom for a while. to not only help her out, uh, but my dad had passed away. So it was helping her out, it was helping me out, it was lower rent. Um, I moved with the bank, so I just transferred branches. Um, And then with the bank, um, I had a salary plus commission. So as I learned the job, did the job better, got a better commission each month. Um, Within the the bank then, I also tried a few different positions and those kind of stepped up the ladder. So, you know, better income, lower expenses. I had a plan. I had a spending plan. I had a budget. Um, so I'll, you know, it just kind of seemed like the natural progression of things. And I know your, your journey eventually took you full circle. Um, how did you end up working at Greenpath? Well, as I mentioned, I was working in the bank, different positions. Um, but I also thought that I wanted to try real estate. So I left the bank and went to work with a real estate team. And I did that for three years. But going back to inconsistent income was not making me happy. <laughs> it did not work out for me. Um, so, you know, starting to realize real estate was not going to be the, the area for me. Again, it was great experience. I uh, started looking for new jobs. And found the one at Greenpath, found it online that they were hiring to work with a financial wellness, work as a financial wellness expert or the counselor for those that talk to the people that call into Greenpath to potentially set up a debt management plan. And uh, interviewed and hired, got hired for that job. And I loved it. Just it, it seemed perfect fit for at least the last 15 or 16 years of financial industry experience, banking, real estate, investments, um, just kind of all fit. So yeah, it was, it was really easy way to start talking to folks on the phone and it was easy to share my experience and Hey, this is what I did. This is how it works. This is how it can help you. And yeah. How how did your personal experience working with Greenpath influenced your interactions as people reached out? Well, because I could relate to how they were feeling. Okay, you're thinking about filing for bankruptcy. All right, well, let's take a look. Let's see, is there anything else that we can do here? Let's take a look at your situation. Let's talk about all of your options. I've been there. I've done this. (laughs) Let me help you find the best situation for you because a debt management plan is not going to be a perfect fit for everyone. So. Sometimes bankruptcy might be the last resort or the only choice, but I always took that as a personal, like it was a personal crusade for myself. Like if I can keep anyone from filing for bankruptcy and and save that heartache for them or that credit, that damaging of the credit report for them, then that's how I looked at it with every call. And, you know, every situation is different for every person, but I wanted to help somebody like I was helped when I started that management plan instead of bankruptcy. And then to even tie into your other experience, your more recent transition to Greenpath involves in a way working at Greenpath, but also with the banking industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your current role? Yeah. So in January this year, I transitioned from being the counselor on the phone. Now I'm a partner experience manager and I work with Greenpath's financial partners. So we work with the partners, uh, credit unions and banks, 
to help their members or their clients uh, to promote Green Path so they can help their members. So do you think in your in your current role, uh, you know, you were talking about when you were a financial wellness expert, of also like a financial counselor, that you were able to help people that were in the same boat. Do, do you see the possibility of, of reaching even more people in your current role? Oh, yeah, I definitely see the possibility of reaching more people with the current role because now we have over, I mean, I don't manage 500, but we have 500 credit union and bank partners at GreenPath. Um, and I'm I'm going to manage about 10% of those partners. But those partners that I have have over 2 million um, members or, or clients, I guess it depends on if you're at a bank or credit union. Um, so now that I know that I can hopefully or potentially reach out to those 50 to 60 partners that I have, and those then have 2 million members that are, are banking with those financial institutions, that's a huge outreach. So now as you sit here today, um, what advice would you uh, have for someone listening to this podcast right now that maybe is at a crossroads uh, as far as their finances is concerned? Give Green Path a call. Absolutely. Give Green Path a call. No matter where you're at, if you have questions or concerns or you just don't know what to do next, our financial wellness experts are going to listen to what's going on for you, ask you what your goals are and help you come up with a personalized plan to get you where you need to be. Not everybody's goal is to buy a condo like I did. Maybe your goal is to just to balance your budget or start a savings. No matter what it is that you have a goal for, if you don't know what the next step is, give us a call so we can help you walk through that, figure it out. And you have a financial expert there on the phone with you. We'll talk to you about all the different options that are available to you, help give you some of that education, information, and figure out what is the best choice for you in your situation. Thank you, Jesse, for joining us today. I appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day to have uh, your conversation with us, and I wish you best of luck in your new role. Thank you so much, Chris. It was a pleasure speaking with you, too. So I'm joined now by my co-host, Omari, and as always, we'll be uh, taking a look at Jesse's story to see what sort of tips might be inspired uh, from her journey. And the first thing I wanted to, to share, um, uh, towards the beginning of her story, Jesse mentioned that uh, she was pretty close to filing bankruptcy. She had already retained the attorney and um, was was about to, to pay the attorney. And it was only through a unusual circumstance that her, her parents happened to get wind of it because they were paying her bills because she was traveling abroad. And I think this is an important thing to, to consider because I know from having counseled thousands of people over the years that there are some cases where the debt management plan is a clear-cut option there are some cases where considering bankruptcy might be more of a clear-cut option, but life sometimes is is not so clear. And I think the, the the one thing to to keep in mind if you are sorting through some different options to handle your debt is what is the role of a bankruptcy attorney versus the role at a of a financial counselor at a nonprofit like GreenPath, and Really, what the bottom line is, as a financial counselor, the role is not only to help people to go on debt management plans, of which if that's an option they choose, if that makes sense, but it is to help them explore the pros and cons of each option and doing so in an objective way. Um, when our, you know, our, our counselors and when I was a counselor, we're paid on a salary. We're, we're not making any money. We're, there's no incentive for us to push people onto one option or another. Um, when you're talking to a bankruptcy attorney, they're singularly focused. And, and honestly, that's not speaking ill of bankruptcy attorneys whatsoever. 
they're not trained in the alternatives to bankruptcy in the same way that a financial counselor is. So the fact of the matter is, the role of the bankruptcy attorney is basically to see, are there any legal reasons why a bankruptcy doesn't make sense? If it does make sense from a legal perspective, here's the cost. Their job is to hopefully make it as pain, painless a process as possible and, and, and for someone to move forward with that. So just kind of understanding that perspective, I think, can be helpful. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I, I would get people that would meet with me that had 99% in their mind made up their mind to file bankruptcy, and they just wanted to hear that perspective. And in a lot of those cases, I would look at their situation and say, yeah, I, I can't really see an alternative that gives you a clear path forward. Um, but that was such a useful uh, time for them simply because it was uh, gives them peace of mind to know that they have explored all those options. So the tip in this is just to make sure you do explore all your options before moving forward with uh, as long lasting uh, an option as bankruptcy. So Amari, um, I know that there was another aspect of Jesse's story which was she was traveling abroad and just the from a logistics standpoint, having to juggle a number of credit card bills and that the debt management plan ended up having some benefit there. I was wondering if you could speak to that. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me on um, as usual. So I thought that that was a really interesting application of the debt management program. Uh, as you know, we've both worked as counselors for many years and um, have uh, recommended to clients many a debt management program, but I had never in my personal counseling experience uh, had an opportunity to use the debt management pro or to to suggest that the debt management program be used in the manner that uh, Jesse did, which just speaks to its um, versatility as, a, as an option. Um, so essentially what she did was that she had an opportunity to study abroad um, and had bills to maintain while she was overseas. And as you can imagine, um, crossing uh, you know, international borders and having to keep up with your bills back home in America is probably an easier said uh, than done thing. Uh, especially uh, when 15 years ago, there wasn't a ton of online banking options, or at least they weren't as sophisticated as they are now. So essentially what Jesse did was use the debt management program essentially as a bill pay service that allowed her to keep since the since Greenpath, the entity that was making payments on her behalf was based in the United States, uh, is based in the United States. She was able to maintain a consistent payment plan uh, without having to worry about the logistics of being in contact with these um, with these organizations or with these entities that she was paying. So using the debt management program as a bill pay service uh, on top of helping her to manage the debt uh, from a debt reduction standpoint, just as a simply as a tool for organization, um, it, it just shows another another really nice application of the program. Um, someone like myself who is emerging as a full grown adult with all the responsibilities that come with that. I'm noticing that sometimes it's easier said than done to manage all of these things that you need to pay for to keep your life afloat. Having something like a debt management program that can have one or that allows for one location that uh, will organize and make sense of these payments that are going to, you know, who knows how many different locations makes it much easier to uh, not become overwhelmed with the expectation that comes with paying bills and being a fully functional adult. So I resonate with her greatly in that sense. Omari, I know when Jesse uh, eventually completed her debt management plan, she eventually opened up uh, a, a new credit card, but used it very differently than she had uh, initially used her cards uh, when, when she first got them. I wonder if you might speak to that and, and what are some of the lessons that we might take out of that? Sure. Um, that's something that I um, feel very strongly about, not only from my own journey as a um, person who has navigated a budget, but just as uh, a counselor who's talked about this a lot, we, we recognize that credit card spending um, 
can be a source of accumulated debt in a way that is unique because of the fact that it does not require for you to immediately pay it back, right? So it's very easy for someone who makes, for example, let's say $3,000 net per month, who has a $5,000 credit limit um, to behave in a way that would suggest that your total income is closer to 8,000 because of the fact that you are not required to pay it back right away all at once, right? So it's very easy for you to spend more faster than you are paying it back, um, which in some cases can be helpful if you need to make a big purchase and you have a plan in place to pay it back over time. But it also can be very, uh, it can it can also have a lot of negative unintended imp, uh, impact if you are not cognizant of the idea that this money is not extra money that is just out there. This is a an extension of credit with the full expectation that it is to be paid back. And if it is not paid back within a reasonable schedule, it will start to accumulate in a way that uh, adds to your budget. So what we what we heard here in Jesse's story is that she had started to adjust for that. Um, she recognized how debit cards work, which are not like credit cards in the sense that the money that you spend is not only are you having, I mean, it, there's no need to pay it back because it's coming directly out of a source of income or a source of, of money that is immediately taken out of your account to pay for whatever the thing is, right? So in Jesse's case, she decided to use her credit card the way that, that she might use a debit card with the expectation that the money that she is spending with the credit card would be paid back immediately the same way that would happen in a debit card situation. So that required her to change the way that she used the, cre the credit card. So, so um, it wasn't so much for the things that, you know, you might overshop for, whether it be, in my case, gadgets or toys or electronics, things like that. In some cases, it might be uh, shopping or clothes or whatever the case, whatever your spending vice is. Um, it was less that and more essential day-to-day -day type stuff, whether that be gasoline, groceries, or some sort of everyday essential that she can track more directly. Um, and as a result, she found herself in a situation where she was able to get credit for using the credit card regularly while also being able to pay it back so that the balance never really accumulated. And that allowed for her credit to improve because of the fact that she had a lot of open credit. She was not, her her utilage or her utilization on her card was not going up. Ideally, this is probably the the one of the more optimum ways to use a credit card. We've talked a lot about like set it and forget it methods where you have, I mean, this is a similar concept where you might set it up so that your Netflix or your whatever streaming service is automatically paid. Um, and that's the only thing that you use the credit card for while also having the credit card set to be paid in full. So you can have the credit card sitting in a drawer somewhere. You don't even have to look at it and you're still getting credit for using it and paying it back on time. Similar concept. And it's an awesome way to maximize your credit usage to improve your credit score as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to note that her new habits in terms of how she was using the credit card in some ways kind of translated into other areas of her finance, specifically how she saved money. So she talked about slowly building up a savings account, constantly moving the target to build it up. But of course, life happens, right? And so we think of this, oh, I'm building up an emergency fund. It's only an upward trajectory. Yeah, but sometimes you need to use the emergency fund that's going to happen. And so she spoke of what does she do when she does need to dip into the emergency fund? It's easy to just get frustrated when that happens, throw your hands up and say, oh, well, I guess I'm back at square one. The thing is, that's, again, that's why the savings account is there to begin with, right? So it was really uh, cool to see the plan she put in place to build the emergency fund back up. It felt way more realistic because what she decided to do was to increase her contributions temporarily versus just think she's going to replenish it all at once. So for example, let's say she was putting $20 a paycheck normally into her savings account. If she saw it dip down, she might have temporarily increased that to $25 a paycheck. 
Uh, and then once it had reached the, the level that it was before she had to dip into it, then she was able to perhaps resume the, the smaller payments. Or maybe if it worked within her budget, maybe she keeps at that higher amount and, and kind of supercharges things. But it was sort of like a nice balanced way to still maintain her goals without overdoing it and affecting other areas of her budget. Absolutely. Um, and I, I resonate with that a great deal uh, because I often heard clients in one of many uh, mindsets. One would be, uh, I don't have the ability to save because my income is such that uh, I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I don't really feel like I have room, which is which is like a lot of people's truths. Right. So um, and, and in that sense, I would encourage like if your budget is if you can get yourself to a place where your budget is positive and you have some sort of net gain at the end of each pay period, um, that even if you're saving five dollars a month, something like that is not without value. Right. On the other hand, another mindset that I often saw with, cl with clients was I'm afraid to touch my savings because of how long it took me to build it up in the face of a crisis or in the face of a situation where there is a, a, a need for some immediate funds. And I would often say to clients like that's, it's okay. That's what the savings are there for. Like you mentioned, um, the trick is to not cons to not move forward with the idea that that was it. Like, Oh, that, that was my savings. And now it's gone. Like Jesse said, and, and how she demonstrated, there's always going to be an opportunity for you to, as long as your income is still consistent and you're still, and you, you've been able to handle the, the crisis immediately and you have the ability to increase your contribution or you have the ability to start over and build that savings back up again, that's really the uh, mindset that leads to healthy savings habits. It's not so much that you're afraid to use the savings, it's that you are confident and um, open to the idea of rebuilding the savings once it's done. I know that might sound obvious, but you'd be surprised at how at that paralysis that you can sometimes feel when you have to make that decision, should I dip into my savings or not? If you, if you can, if you, my recommendation would be, if you can honestly say that after you've dipped into these savings, that you have the ability to try to start building it back reasonably, then I say it's probably a good idea. Well, I appreciate uh, all your thoughts and insights, Somari. Thank you as always. Thank you. Well, we're nearly done with episode 21. We hope you were inspired by Jesse's story. Would you be willing to share your money success story with others to help spread the news about achieving financial wellness? We're always looking for people to feature in videos, blog posts, and media interviews. Who knows? Maybe you could be featured in a future episode of this podcast. To share your story, please visit www.greenpath.com testimonial submission. The link is also in our show notes. Special thanks to Hero for our theme music, which will play us out. Here's hoping each of you enjoy your journey of financial wellness as much as your destination. Welcome back, Hero.